0: When we give ourselves support, we are stronger. It's a fact. And I think that it's sad that we've been led to believe otherwise.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Three Uniques podcast. I'm your host, Brenda Rigby. I'm a business and leadership coach and entrepreneur. I'm a single mom of two teenagers and a purpose-led believer. My mission is to maximize the human potential by helping you unlock what's unique in all of us and design a big life that leaves you whole, grounded, and complete. Welcome to 3 Uniques. Hi everyone, it's Brenda back again with another episode of 3 Uniques. Today I have on Shulamit Bear Love Tove. How are you doing today, Shulamit? All right,
0: thanks. Hi Brenda. It's good to have you on yeah what a thrill i've been looking forward to this
1: yeah so we met in uh, a recent course that we were both taking called the trauma of money and uh shulamit is uh your company's name your business name is the entrepreneur's therapist but i love how you identify yourself is like shulamit is the entrepreneur's therapist Yes, i love that it's a, a complete declaration like full sentence
0: yes that's what i am i'm the entrepreneur's
1: therapist and you work specifically with women entrepreneurs.
0: Yes. What what I've discovered in my, well, in my experience as an entrepreneur myself, but also as a therapist running a business and hanging out in business circles with other business people who are not therapists, right, who are not attuned explicitly to mental and emotional health, I sort of had a privileged position because they, I believe, the business people and entrepreneurs that I was hanging out with would share more with me about the emotional side of things, about the stuff, the difficulties in particular mm-hmm. than they would normally with others. Right. So I sort of had like an inside track to what people were going through because they knew I was a therapist. And just when they know you're a therapist, people come kind of confide in you, you know, it's like the bartender or the hairdresser. They just automatically start telling you their life story. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, in my own experience, the emotional roller coaster of running a business yeah. really takes a toll. Sure. And Uh, and then learning this from colleagues and and folks that I was networking with, I realized that there was a real need for a therapist who understood entrepreneurship and who isn't going to say to somebody like people who don't understand entrepreneurship, when you tell them something about like my to-do list is a mile long, Mm -hmm. they'll say, "Well, why don't you just knock some things do less? Like as an entrepreneur, what are you talking about? Do less. Or even worse, they'll say, well, why don't you get a job? And like, that just makes my blood boil. I don't want a job. (laughs) I want to run my business. And I want to be able to express my um, challenges with someone who's there to validate them instead of saying, well, you shouldn't be doing that because it's difficult. You should be doing something else. Mm. It's difficult. And I want support to get through that difficulty. And that's what entrepreneurs want. I think that's what I've heard.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. And do you find though that people nowadays um, are more open? Sorry, my dog's playing with her toy. <laughs> That'll happen, listeners. <laughs> Sadie will want to chime in. She wants to be a part of everything. Um, do you find though no, now? And I, I just say sort of like nowadays because people, I mean, the whole conversation of mental health. I mean, it's bells let talk. Uh, Let's talk. You know, month and so they're promoting that right now as we're filming this. Um, but just people are more open to talk about mental health in business and so this whole like actually entrepreneurs can actually disclose the fact that yeah I'm growing my business but behind the scenes it's hard and I'm sweating it out and I need someone to talk to about all the emotions that are sort of coming up with it is there just sort of more openness about that now because of the openness to talk about mental health or are you thinking that this was there before too
0: no, I um, actually feel like I can feel it actually in my body now some anger around Bell Let's Talk and some of these similar initiatives because what they are are they're as extractive and exploitive a practice mm. as any other corporation. Bell makes money from this publicity and makes far more money than they raise. And if they, in my opinion, truly cared about mental health, they wouldn't be out there virtue signaling by running this, they would just be silently giving what they make from this, mm. two initiatives, one, and two, um, that they would treat their employees better, that they would provide benefits that are more uh, Uh, more robust mental health benefits to their clients, like all corporations should, but especially if they're taking a stand on this, it would behoove them as a corporation to make sure that they have very robust benefits in that area. And that really under capitalism, a a multinational corporation that has a a monopoly in the US and Canada, right, that's, um, that's, they are operating in a field that's harmful to mental health, there is so much that they could do at a structural and systemic level, that would be have so much greater impact uh, than this simple bell let's talk performative. And I have to say, Mm -hmm. that part of the anger that I'm feeling is not only mine, but also clients, because quite a number of my clients Uh, in this month and on the Bell Let's Talk, they find that actually triggering to them in the sense that they they experience anger around this for the very reasons that I've explained to you.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And, And furthermore, that there's a lot of talk about talking about mental health. There's a lot of like performance around it's okay, but when it comes down to brass tacks, it actually isn't.
1: Yeah. Okay, so there's a couple things in there. I love the fact that you said the the language of Bell or larger organizations like Bell that are sort of sponsoring this sort of, you know, mental health uh, kick. When you go inside the actual infrastructure, it's like, are they equipping leaders? Are they equipping their teams on how to navigate trauma response? Uh, You know, is the workplace like psychologically safe? Do leaders know how to create a psychologically safe workplace? Um, Employees are asking for it, but I don't know. And I agree with you. I don't know if organizations are equipping their leaders, their managers with skills, abilities or resources, folks like yourself that could come in there and coach and train those people on how to respond if an employee is having a trigger response to something that's going on in the workplace and what to do about it.
0: I, I think also it's quite limited. It's a big gaslighty to say, that we can uh, create a safe workla- workplace or that we could, as leaders in a workplace, say to our uh, subordinates that it's safe here, emotionally safe, mm-hmm. because ultimately uh, it's a relationship of exploitation that surplus labor is, uh, the surplus labor is, goes to the people, that's capitalism, is the es- extraction of the value of surplus labor, right? Okay. And so my, as an employee, my ability to, my, my survival, right? food on the table, roof over my head, depends upon my compliance at work. Mm-hmm. And so to say in a, in a situation where my survival depends on it, that it's okay for me to be vulnerable, but that only goes so far because if you're too vulnerable, you're fired, Right. or if you're too vulnerable, you're disciplined, or if you're too vulnerable, you know, it's just so problematic. Um, I think that we can do better for sure, and at the same time, I think it's overstating it to say that we could even hope to aim for psychologically safe workplaces. I think it would it would serve us better. It would serve our mental health better for it to be explicit that there are limits here and only certain things here, and that this actually isn't uh, safe here, that we have ways in which we can care for you, but there are limits to that. And when you hit the limit, that to be explicit about this is the limit, rather than saying, oh no, this is a mentally health friendly workplace. And then, which if you're having trouble and you're saying you're having trouble and people are saying back to you, oh no, no, it's fine. Well, then that's a threat to your mental health because they're they're, uh, undermining you and gaslighting you, right? They're telling you what you think is real, isn't real. And that's like a whole mental health issue right there. Totally, yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you also, Thank you for those those last points. I wanted to also ask you because you're working with women entrepreneurs, especially in the last like six or seven months, I mean, we've seen some pretty horrific numbers coming out of the u s, but Canada hasn't necessarily been like sugarcoating it uh, and doing much better. Mass amounts of women leaving the workplace, some going into start their own business, looking at alternative ways to work. But because of the impact of the pandemic on childcare, women are still feeling forced to be like the only ones to like leave their job and go home like it's and we're seeing numbers like they're showing like regression, like back to like the 70s. Yes, it's going to take us like another 20 years to get kind of back up. And where we were even before the pandemic, it was saying like stats were out there. Was well, it's going to take us another twenty years to get on boards and still be in the you know dominant C suite positions, etc. In organizations or Fortune 500 companies. We're just like sort of cracking that, and now we're seeing women exiting even more. How is that playing out into you know some of the women that you're you're working with or women that are thinking about going into entrepreneurs? I just want to know like from your perspective on that,
0: what are you seeing? Right. So I'll come to I'll come to answer your question in a second but uh, like, um, it's just isn't it funny the way things go. Um, Again, I'm feeling kind of angry actually I'm like again feeling that anger energy in my chest. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember what it was like in the 60s and 70s, you know I was, um, I was a teen in the 70s and watched my mother struggle in that context of um, women working outside the home. and. When the pandemic hit and I saw what happened to women and women's roles, and especially with the loss of access to childcare and educational, um, like to, to the formal school, right. it was very clear to me. We used to say um, how much things have changed for women and how much men have changed and how much men have stepped up and how the culture has changed and men are being more active fathers and all that kind of stuff. And what I see, the way I look at it is, in fact, nothing has changed. Men are still off the hook because we put in place uh, so-called, in quotation marks, national childcare and Mm -hmm. school has extended now so that we've got pre-pre-pre-kindergarten that's like uh, government funded, we don't have to pay for, and that made it look like Uh, culture had changed and men were more engaged and women were doing fewer childcare responsibilities. But in my mind, the pandemic reveals that to be the lie, it truly is. Mm -hmm. Because when you took all those things, what we saw was all of a sudden women again were primarily responsible for childcare. And worse than that, women working full-time from home were expected by their employers to continue to do their full-time work at home while their spouse, usually their male spouse, Mm -hmm. I'm talking about heterosexual families, Um, uh, The male spouse, his job took priority, and his meetings took priority, and his space and time in the bedroom with the door closed to do his work was considered protected, and so the woman would sacrifice her time and her work, but at the same time be subject to pressure from her workplace with no accommodations whatsoever for the child Mm -hmm. care response. So that cultural thing just really made me really mad and it still makes me angry because Mm -hmm. um, it just, again, shows the lie that that really not much has changed in that regard. And as a result then, like you say, we saw women just giving up working because it was just too much. Too much, yeah. We also saw, what I saw was a lot of women who were uh, in business prior to the pandemic Who did rely on childcare for their, uh, in order to be able to work, Mm -hmm. had to shut down their businesses because suddenly they were at home working from home um, and always had been, but now they were responsible for childcare, congruent with uh, doing their work responsibilities and running their businesses. And this is a thing that I've heard from a lot of women who work at home that Mm -hmm. family and spouses don't really consider that they're actually working and that their work matters. Oh, well, you can, I can just drop in, I can just phone you, you can just do this, and for me, you work from home. You're yeah. not really working, right? And so that attitude towards women who own their own businesses and work from home um, really showed up uh, in a very damaging way. It was kind of like the women I knew would kind of laugh about it and kind of grit their teeth and say, well, my family doesn't take me seriously prior to the pandemic, but the actual impact then was limited. But with the kids at home and the discounting of their work, mm-hmm. that was the end of their work, you know? So that's, in terms of what's happening in corporate culture, um, you know, I've read the same thing as you have about the great resignation. Yes. Um, And I think that it's attributable to two things. One is, as we've talked about, the dynamic around caregiving, but also um, people got to go home and experience, speaking about mental health in the workplace, what it was like to be free from some of the exceptionally stressful interpersonal types of Unhealthy interactions that were occur- occurring in the workplace. Right. Pressure not to take breaks. Pressure not to pee. Pressure not to eat your lunch, um, and also to be able to balance. Like uh, when you're home, even though I wouldn't advocate this, I know that it's easy to do. That you can during your lunchtime do some laundry. Being able to multitask in that way alleviates some of the burden after hours, so that. Right. Instead of doing the double shift, your second shift is maybe half of what it used to be because it's, um, what's the word in English, um, interwoven with your work at home. Yeah, and so like, Yeah. So people <laughs> left the corporate workplace in order to do this because it gave them that kind of, it felt like they had more time and energy because uh, part of the load was alleviated.
1: Yeah. Well, and you didn't have the commute if you had to commute a lot for work. So now it's like people could go to the gym at five o'clock versus, oh, it's seven o'clock and do I want to go to the gym? No.
0: Yeah. 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 And commute times greater than 45 minutes have been shown to have a mental health impact anyway. And many people, I live rurally, I live in Southeastern Ontario on land stolen from the Mississauga people under the Crawfords purchase. And uh, it's, a, it's um, a feeder for Ottawa. Many of the people around here commute an hour, an hour and a half each way sometimes. which is an enormous, because of course it's an economically depressed area. There isn't work here. So people go into Ottawa and having back those two to three hours every day is such a, such a, such a boon to their mental health, even if they don't do quote unquote, even if they don't do anything with it. So where do you see, sort of see things going in
1: the sense of like women entrepreneurs? Is there uh, something that you see, like from uh, the clients that you're coaching, something that's like inspiring them, that's motivating them, you know, where they're maybe pivoting or shifting their business as a result of some of the things that are happening, things that you've we've just talked about.
0: I think things are still in play. What's happening now, like what I've been seeing happening in the past, like from August of last year till now, which is January, well, third of February, twenty twenty two. people are really, really struggling. The people I know are struggling. Mm-hmm. My clients and my colleagues and friends really are finding, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel or, or worse in terms of energy, mood and morale. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing, st- some people are s- not making, like the first thing is when you hit a difficulty, you have to really be in it for a while. You have to like, have to. Mm -hmm. um what i hang on a minute what do i want to say there's there's the awareness that comes and for some folks that's all that happens and you kind of stay there but in the process of change and growth which is like you're asking me what are the implications what Mm -hmm. comes after what comes after this awareness and time engaging with this awareness is a, a meaning making to say okay so given that this is where I am, what are the implications for me? And what I've noticed is that the folks who are more growth minded are now engaging in this reflection around COVID has put everything in question, Mm -hmm. right? What are my values? What really matters to me? And how is that gonna affect my life, including my business. Yeah. But what will come of that reflection? I, some people are really, um, the few that have begun to make meaning of this are, hmm, how would I say this? redesigning what they're doing from their values that have become clear as a result of what we've gone through rather than received ways of doing things, either from corporate culture where they retired or from the business and other coaching that they've received In growing their businesses because there is a way you know there is a way right business coaching there's a way right Um, career growth there's a way you know it's growth 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 and there's a way to do that right Mm -hmm. and when you take a business when you work with a business coach or you take a business program that's what you're taught yeah I think people are beginning to wonder like maybe that's not what I want to do And, and beginning to redesign sort of from the inside rather than out here but that's I would not say that's a trend I would say that of the people I know who are beginning to make meaning that's what they are doing mm-hmm. but in the grand scheme of things I don't really know because I think it won't unfold fully for another four or five months really maybe even longer maybe even longer yeah uh,
1: I, I definitely see that the, the people that sort of I attract I guess into my space are more interested in and I always say it's like as a business coach, it's like, yeah, I can show you the formulas, the tools, the frameworks, all of those things. And yes, you're right. In business school or other coaches, they'll tell you the same thing. This is how you scale your operation. This is when you like maybe add on a virtual assistant or whomever. And um, and what's the decision making um, framework that you use to make those calls in your business? And at the same time, I think people are throwing it all up and just saying okay what again is important to me and they're looking at their whole life not just the business but like you know a lot more scrutiny around relationships and who am I bringing into my space um because before it was just easy to go network go to a conference or an association meeting or an industry meeting uh go meet someone for a coffee but now it's kind of like well where can we go for coffee because like every coffee shop only has four tables they used to have 20 and you know so it's like and especially in colder weather climates where it's like we don't want to just stand outside and have a cup of coffee um so people are reassessing like where they're spending time
0: who they're spending time with
1: and yes sorry yes
0: capacity i think is a big word in that context yes we're realizing like there was this myth and i think i for sure deared by that myth and I think many people did that we could just keep doing and doing and doing and we did kind of like pay lip service to the fact that if we burn the candle at both ends we'll eventually burn out but we could always make up for that by 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 going on vacation or whatever you know there was always a way to in consumer culture there's always a way to kind of mediate that burning the can- if we've got if you've got sufficient privilege which we have right we're white middle class or middle upper class western heterosexual i'm well i mean i pass for all those things right right canada um, the <laughs> way to palliate to burn to get away with burning the candle at both ends but now i think even people with privilege are discovering that there isn't there is no longer a way to do that, that you don't have the wiggle room you used to have. And so now the question is becoming, okay, my I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really literally crushed up against the wall of my capacity. And if that's the case, what am I going to do? And capacity applies because it's, it's really beyond energy. It's really more like emotional capacity Mm -hmm. because of the emotional impact of the of the trauma of a global pandemic, collective global trauma plus um, the uh, independent of what side of the political spectrum you're on, sure. you're going to be in a great deal of pain around how the world is going mm-hmm. And that has an impact on your emotional capacity, right? right And then there's the emotional demands of just your business and your life. And, and we just don't have what we used to have. And so the question is like, if I've only got people with chronic illness, talk about spoons that any given day you're, you 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 wake up with a certain number of spoons and it's, what are you going to spend your spoons on? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, having like, and this is like, it's just a metaphor. Everybody has limited energy. It's just mm-hmm. that people who aren't chronically ill believe that we have unlimited energy. When those of us who are chronically ill really know we don't. Right. We really only have like some days, maybe you got no spoons. A, but this is the case, it's I think, a, it's more a good so analogy. People, Yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So more so the case with the general population that we're really aware that we actually only do have ten spoons or five or two, mm-hmm. and if I, and the fewer I have, the more precious they are. And what am I going to do with those? Yeah. So I agree with you. Yes. Yeah, I love it.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay, I could like go down, I continue down this path. Hi, friends. It's Brenda here. I hope you're enjoying our podcast guest today on the Three Podcast. I wanted to interrupt the interview for a couple seconds to let you know about Aligned AF. Aligned AF is my 12-month coaching experience for leaders and entrepreneurs up to big goals in their life, ready to step into their three uniques, and fully aligning their life to their purpose. Imagine yourself living an intentional, values-driven life that aligns all domains, professional, personal, health, wealth, and community impact. You're generating a six-figure and a multi-six-figure business within your first year you're learning to love every failure and approaching new goals with possibility energy and love you're unlocking your potential and overcoming your limiting beliefs in a short period of time and you're shifting yourself from looking ahead to looking within to consider your choices your values and most of all your purpose you're identifying barriers examining their origins and recognizing and celebrating the range of unique skills and experiences you possess to propel you forward. You're building healthy relationships and routines, setting boundaries around the things, people, ideas that drain you without feeling guilty. If you're interested in learning more about Aligned AF, my 12 month coaching experience for leaders and entrepreneurs, check out threeuniques.com for more details on the aligned af coaching experience or other coaching experiences and working with me. Take care everyone and now back to our guest. I would love to hear about your three uniques. Sure, how do you want to start? Um you could share them one by one. You can share them all at once. Like you can say my three uniques are bang 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 or you can go right. number 1 is this and number 2 is that and yeah, just all right. Let us hear. Well,
0: them. my the one I have the most fun with, you ask about what are my unique skills, strengths, or talents. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Fascinate Advantage. It's a marketing thing, a marketing um, assessment from Sally Hogshead. Okay. That tells you what, fascinates people about you so it's the opposite of most of the personality tests that talk about how and who you are and what are your tendencies and preferences this is about what about you fascinates other people which was why it's good for marketing right yeah sure so my fascinated advantage is prestige plus innovation okay and I call that uh and so people can google they'll have fun with this because it is really fun so you'll see I don't need to define that but how I relate to this is I'm a nerdy weirdo (laughs) And when, when I was uh, working with a coach who did, gave us the fascinate advantage assessment, and we discovered what our style was, Mm -hmm. that just really spoke to me. It really put, helped me understand how other people see me, but also helped me embrace the things, the things about me that were still kind of uh, tender from high school experience. (laughs) You know, sometimes things that like happen to us at some point in our lives, we kind of like they kind of come along with us for the rest of our lives and are always sort of there. Yeah. And, you know, who's the one with the floods, the stretchy <laughs> pants, the little ass- shirt done up to the neck, you know, so like I got a lot of, I got a lot of, but learning to embrace prestige plus innovation, Right, this nerdy weirdo side of myself, the nerd. Who's like, and I'm sure you can tell just from our conversation so far how nerdy I am about things well, that you're, I. You're pretty passionate about what you love, and you know, which is amazing. So, yeah, and and I can just like really love mm-hmm. my nerdy self, the one who just likes to go deep down the hole and learn everything about everything. That's the innovation. That's the nerdy part. The prestige part is the nerd, is the knowledge, right. like the science, the facts. Like I know my shit. And then the weirdo is the innovation side, like thinking about things differently, taking a critical take. And you would have heard in our first 20 minutes of this conversation, Mm -hmm. I have a critical take on a lot of things, right? And so just embracing my nerdy weirdoness was really a fun thing. And so now um, I love my inner nerd. I love my weirdo. And I can see how the things that I got picked on for being nerdy and weird when I was even like as a young person and even in high school Mm -hmm. um, are actually the most fun things about me and the things that I love the most and the things that really draw people to me at least if I'm to believe what this assessment says yeah so that's like that's my three my first unique is I'm a nerdy weirdo okay I love it great and thanks for sharing how you
1: came up with that that's amazing and your second unique
0: my second unique. I believe that we are stronger with support. This is like my die in the ditch kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, this is a little bit my critical take on things as well, having worked in the area of mental health and personal growth for so long. You know, there's the stigma that says that if you need help, you're weak. If you ask for help, it's a weak thing to do. And it's something that stands in the way of so many people to yeah. reach out, right? But if you stop to think about, um. Most, uh, most of the people, most people are strong, competent, capable people, and especially entrepreneurs and women entrepreneurs, Ooh. even so I find. And if you think about um, like when a new subdivision, when they put in the new trees in a new subdivision, and they have like the great big root balls, but you those are below ground, right. and they put these in and they put like this protective around the spindly tree yes. that keep the rabbits from eating it and the deer and then they put the wire around the neck there's a rubber kind of ring and then they have the guy wires that right place so plus yes, the tree itself is strong it's got this big root ball it's already several years old it's growing it's flourishing and yet how much stronger it is and how much likelier it is to survive and grow yeah. when it has these supports right yeah When we give ourselves support, we are stronger. It's a fact. And I think that it's sad that we've been led to believe otherwise. Yeah. And I think
1: as like on that note, and I love it. um, It's a, it's a great belief to, to instill and even into your practice, um, especially coaching women entrepreneurs. I find that when and I say this lovingly to any client that's thinking about working with me or clients that I have working with me but it it seems like it's such a big decision because humans naturally are not prone to make decisions quickly and even if we do we still sometimes have regret about the decision that we did make quickly um because our limiting beliefs will you know come into that But asking for help and knowing that it's like it's okay to get a coach or a mentor or to join an association, um, you know, and if they offer a free mentorship program, but just to have that. And even for myself, when I first started my business, it was like, oh, I've run businesses before inside corporate organizations. I can do this. No problem. And it wasn't until the second year of my business that I got a coach. And it was just like, oh, someone who gets me. Right someone who understands me and now it's just like i just continually work with like i have like a coach that i work with and i've renewed with her a few times now and it's like we just continue to work together but i can't see possibly even as i continue to go up levels in my business not having a coach now
0: right yeah but it
1: took a while there for me to like just even because i'm like well i'm a business coach i should be able i I know what I'm doing. And if I need a coach, then then I'm not a good coach for my clients. It's like, you know, it's the complete opposite. I'm actually a better coach for my clients
0: working with a coach. Yes. 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 And I want to refine what you said at the beginning about it's okay. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is not that it's okay. What I'm saying is it's more than that. It's that it makes us stronger. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That it's that it's that it's a strength. And you've just articulated that as you told your story about how much stronger you are because you've got someone there with you. Right. And I mean, if we just think physically, like in terms of a dam that has a hole in it Mm -hmm. and and the dam, you know, we buttress the dam, we re-engineer the dam, we add in the supports, like it's obvious it's stronger because we've added another layer. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, And you're stronger because you've got that support. When you get wobbly, you can turn to someone instead of collapsing, they hold you up and then you, uh, then you get stronger and then they can kind of pull back a little bit and you can go on your own. It's just such a powerful, powerful thing. And it's even a neuropsychological principle. And I'll demonstrate with my hand. If you imagine this is like the brain in the palm of your hand. So the back of your arm is your uh, spinal column. Mm-hmm. Then you have the reptilian brain at the back, the mammalian brain in the middle with the thumb across the palm. And then the fingers are curled across the thumb so that you have sort of a fist. This is the prefrontal cortex and what happens to humans when we and en- when we get in trouble when we're stressed when emotions are high the amygdala in the mammalian brain gets hot mm-hmm. and when it gets hot when it gets activated the prefrontal cortex goes offline we flip our lids right uh, our wise ceo self goes offline and doesn't communicate with the rest of us and so when we can sit with somebody whose lid is on, that allows our lid to come back on again and we can access, once again, our inner strength and wisdom, mm-hmm. right? So that's a, very, a neuropsychological principle that illustrates the truth of how much stronger we are with support. Love it. And this is what you're saying about the role of your coach, right? Yeah. You're wobbly, she comes in, you calm down, and then you got your shit and you're on it.
1: Yeah. Well, and we know that co-regulation, we know that like, like we even see this with animals, we're primates at the core. And when animals come together and they nap together or they feed together, it's like, they're just stronger as a pack.
0: Yes, 100%. And I want to add a little caveat to this, which you alluded to when you were telling your story. Um, It's not randomly asking for help everywhere from anybody. Right. It's important to be discerning. Mm -hmm. We actually know who responds in what way when we share things. We know who says things that are helpful and who says things that are not, right? And so asking for help is not just random asking for help, it's using your discernment to find and choose and ask for help from the people you know are helpful. Lovely. right? Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And your third unique? My third unique is uh, in terms of my past, present and future experiences, I'm a trauma survivor. Mm -hmm. And I find that that has been Okay, wait a minute. I want to stop and I want to put a caveat. Okay. You can do that. I think it's really important if there are trauma survivors listening, I am in no way saying trauma is good. Mm-hmm. And I'm in no way saying everything happens for a reason. Okay. I could get, I could get angry about those things. Yeah. Not well, it's not it. like you don't want to serve out platitudes,
1: right? So it's just. No,
0: I absolutely okay. do not. And. after time passed and i had support to do the healing that i needed to do for myself to be able to take good care of myself and accompany myself mm-hmm. which is to some degree a function of privilege uh, that i had access to these things it is what has given me that is what grew my resilience skills and i think that those that resilience those skills that i learned surviving those experiences uh, are what served me well as a therapist now and also as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's really gold in them, thar hills for me. <laughs> and that has been, it's like, it's just a really precious gift because it gives me skills, but it also, um, get, uh, it's been transformative for me as a person. Uh, And I, I, I completely would not be who I am today, if not for those. I mean, I think that's a truth about all of us. We would not be who we are today, if not for what we had been through. Right. But it's true for me. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, and it's, It's formulating because where the three come in to play is like when we go back to some of that earlier conversation that we had about people getting clear with their values when you get clear with who you are and why you're here on the planet and what you're here to generate. And again, not to make light of people's past traumas or current day traumas and not to use that cliche of it's here for a reason, but it does start becoming. Like to make sense. It's like the things that I'm doing today, the things that I love, the things that I'm passionate about, and the experience that I've I've had, past, present, and soon to be future. If I can get those in alignment in all areas of my life, then there's that clarity of who I am, what I'm here to do. Versus, you know, I'm this way to these people, and I'm this way, and I'm tucking this behind me, and I'm not showing up this way. You know, it's like you're nerdy weirdo. It's like I can be fully my nerdy weirdo. Versus in high school, it's like, oh, no, it's not going to be accepted. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I love it. I think make uh, it can be very healing to find and create meaning in life experience from the inside out. Mm-hmm. I think there's a big difference from having somebody tell you, oh, it's God's will or everything happens for a meaning. Mm -hmm. And for you yourself to arrive at the awareness that there was some divine intention in what happened to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But not everybody's going to go there and that isn't even the case for every situation or every person. But when it comes from the inside, then it can be a real resource. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thank you for sharing them. Welcome, a couple last questions for you, because I know we've um, taken up a lot of your morning or your afternoon, and I really appreciate it. Um, When we were talking earlier, and you were demonstrating to us about the amygdala and the reaction and the impact that it has on our cortex. um, Is there something that you do a habit, a practice, a ritual that helps you regulate yourself as far as those triggers that could
0: ignite the amygdala? Yes. Uh, So I will preface this by saying that when you're this is information i'm going to give you that is going to be in your frontal cortex and so you might hear this and think it's a good idea and then get in a situation where your lid is flipped and not remember because it's in your lid and your lid is gone right but practice over time takes it out of your lid and more fully into the rest of you so that it becomes the thing that you do Mm -hmm. and it is by virtue of many years of practice that this is now the thing that just happens organically from me in from within me when I'm feeling distressed, the first thing is I notice, oh, I'm kind of worked up. And now I er- I notice much sooner than I used to, mm-hmm. right? So the first step is noticing, ooh, like this is a tough, I'm having a moment. It's like a little bit different. This is, I'm stressed or I'm whatever, angry, frustrated, whatever. And you can see that I've made the gesture of placing my palms, a, a palm down on my chest area. This is my favorite gesture. This is a real regulating gesture for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people might use other gestures. You could try this if you wanted. I'll do it. Yeah. because <laughs> it feels good. I'm just pausing to take in. Cause just the touch just I find just brings, it engages my uh, parasympathetic nervous system, my relaxation response. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you know, calms the amygdala, just that self-soothing gesture. And then what I like to do is validate for myself, Mm -hmm. which is often when we feel crappy, we're like, ah, I feel crappy. Don't feel crappy. And then the next thing we say to ourselves is what's the matter with me? Why am I feeling crappy? What's going on? (laughs) Well, not even snap out of it yet, but with the inquiry, why is what's going on? You know, and it's, it's, It's a different way of doing that to say, right, no wonder I'm Mm -hmm. struggling. So, for example, this morning, I just came from a reassessment at the hospital. I've been waiting for a hip replacement surgery. And I learned at the hospital this morning that I'm going to have to walk with a walker now, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, hard to take. And then I came home and read an article by a social worker about what it's like to be doing uh, therapy as a therapist during COVID times. Yes. And those two things together. And I just felt, I just felt it coming. And I reading her validation, I just went and I'm actually feeling a little bit of the tears now. I just kind of, I just said to him, ah, oh, no wonder, no wonder, like, mm-hmm. no wonder I'm having, this is really, I'm having a hard time because these times are hard. Mm-hmm. Right. So this moment of validation. Yeah. And I find that those two steps of like, oh, this is tough. I'm struggling right now. The self-soothing gesture and then the validation. Well, no wonder. Of course, this is difficult. What I'm trying to do is hard. That really helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And hope everything works out okay with your, hip. Well, it's a Canadian healthcare care system. Thank you. I'm happy to wait. I'm not dying. Uh, I'm happy that waiting means that we all get care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
1: And my last question for you, uh, Shulamit, is if I was to give you a billboard and you could put it anywhere in the world and put anything on it, what would it say and where would you put it?
0: It would say love, both fierce and tender, mm-hmm. is a powerful resource for change and where would I put it <laughs> I can only have one and I can only put it one place like I would really want it to be everywhere I would really want it to be on the bu- like what's coming to me now is on on public transit I would want it I would want it like you know on public transit where they have the things all I would want it on every bus oh inside the bus on those little bit yes bars. yes yeah. Yeah. yeah nice can you say it one more time do you remember yes Love, both fierce and tender, is a powerful force for change. Beautiful. Thanks so much for
1: coming on today and sharing your three uniques with us.
0: Thanks, Brenda. This was so fun to get to know you a little bit and to talk about things I'm just so passionate about.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing for our listeners. And um, as I say to everybody at the close of our um, podcast, remember that there's 7.8 billion people on this planet. Somebody needs what you've got. So get out there and share your three uniques. Thanks for sharing yours. Thanks. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's guest on the Three Uniques podcast. Uh, As always, we really appreciate your time and your commitment to listening to our guests every week. And we'd love for you to be able to share this podcast with others and encourage other people to get out there and share their Three Uniques. So please take a few moments to like, share, this podcast leave a review and let us know what you think and also let us know who you'd like to hear more from uh, what type of guests you want us to bring on for future podcast interviews thanks so much remember get out there and share your three uniques there's seven and a half billion people on this planet and somebody needs what you've got take care friends